Ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. Start the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. D-Mendy here, joined by the full cast and crew tonight and our special guest, which I'll get to in just a moment. Marty Party in the house tonight after being in the Detroit, goodness great, I can't remember their hockey team, Detroit Red Wings house last night. There we go. And uh, saying you had a great time with your lovely girlfriend, Tyler. Tell us a little bit about your hockey experience. So we got, um, it was a great um, Christmas gift for me. We got six uh, rows off the ice. So um, almost in the center, the wings won seven to five. Anytime you go to a hockey game, there's over 10 goals scored. It's going to be an absolute blast. We got the win. And um, yeah, it's just, it was, it was a great time. Yeah, it sounds like it. They say hockey is the best sporting event to go to live. I have not experienced it yet, but you only confirm that when we. Talk I completely agree. Show. Between all of them, it's it's the best to um, it's the best to be close. You know, you feel like you're really part of the game. You know, it, it's moved so quickly and everything like that. It's a la- it's an absolute blast. Yeah, I went to my awesome. first hockey game last week too. Marty and I have something in common. Doc, do you agree with that? Um, I mean, it was good. I, I was I was not six rows back. I was more like six rows from the top row. But it was fun. What seven, teams? Seven, seven points in a Detroit game. I don't think the Tigers scored seven runs all of last season in a game. <laughs> uh, it took on uh, shot number one. It would, take, it would take about six weeks for them to score seven runs. Maybe not this year with the the park or the fence moving, and now they're going to uh, yeah, actually maybe. score some runs now. Four weeks, yeah. Also, who else is fun is Mike Carter who's checking in here. He's the and man. As our guest, if you haven't heard on the podcast yet, I don't want to spoil it, but if you're on YouTube, you can see who it is. One of the best in the biz one of the best Glarfers out there too. Elsie, you did not go to a hockey game this past week, but no. I assume you you did a productive things in your off time from the show. Yeah, I got some two on two in yesterday because it was like 45 and sunny here in Maryland. So that's that's basketball time. Someone someone texted me, let's get some two on two. One hour long lunch break. Yeah. So yeah, I'm being active, doing my thing. Today though, no two on two. Sat at home all day, just like that. But uh, we had this. I had to. I had to get get my stuff done so I could be ready for tonight. That's right. So between sniping Mike Carter and drafts, playing back. Who who does? Do I golf more or do you play more basketball? Because I feel like we're both obsessed. I've done. I've played for like four times in the past week. Oh, but, and you had me. You got me. <laughs> yeah, the court's two blocks from here, and I just I just got to bounce the ball out over there. All right, I, I'll tell you what. As excited as I get about golf, I get just as excited to introduce our guest for this show. And joining the show tonight, we welcome in a man that I would say is an 80-grade guest. For those that don't know grades, that's as high as you could possibly be. He's a pitcherless writer, director of pitcherless, the pitcherless pods, He's also co-host of On The Wire podcast, which is one of the, I would say, one of the top podcasts out there right now, especially if you look at like the CBSs and all the big ones that are out there, like the sleeper and the bust. I think On The Wire is starting to gravitate towards that type of territory with the knowledge that this man and his co-host, Kevin Hastings, give every single week. He's also a valued member of GLARF. 
He also might be the closest voice to the golden standard DVR in the industry as he's a smooth operator. How what could you talk baseball without talking to Adam Howe? Welcome to the show, man. I, I'm good now. I mean, this is the reason I came. I just wanted that patented Mendy intro um, <laughs> uh, on on the pod. Uh, this is this is. I'm really looking forward to this. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is, man. Uh, position previews with a guy like yourself. You're familiar with hosting. Obviously, you do a lot of great analysis on your show. Uh, talk to us first about your podcast and the listeners that may not be familiar with it. Talk about what you and Kevin do every single week for a picture list here. Yeah, your your words about me are a little too kind. Um, Kevin is really the brains of the operation. I'm just the gears. Uh, no, Kevin won TGFBI in 2020, and I've been writing his coattails ever since that. Uh, it, what what makes our pod, I think, so fun is the same reason um, you guys are doing this pod is you get the all-star cast plus you guys bring in guests all the time. We have a guest on every episode, um, and we've been very fortunate to have the best in the brightest in across the industry and in different platforms, different mediums, uh, join us every week. Uh, during the season, we're doing fab and we're trying to record as late as possible on Saturday nights so that we get as much information out there on Sunday mornings. Um, that's accurate rather than trying to record on Thursday. And then all of a sudden, not half of it is inaccurate by the time fab runs around on Sundays. Um, and in the off season, then we're just, we're, Busting out as much content as possible when it comes to strategy. Um, we got uh, we got Casey Bubba coming on this week ca- talking about roster construction. We have Ariel Cohen scheduled to be on the on the show next week talking about his ATC projections, and we have episode one hundred coming out um, live during PitchCon, which is going to be a blast. Um, it's going to be a little weird for us because our shows typically go a little long. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, our shortest episode is usually in the hour 15, hour and a half range, um, but we can hit two hours pretty easy. And we're going to be a little constrained during PitchCon because every block is 50 to 55 minutes long. So we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to not having to host a podcast and edit the podcast yeah. and put out the podcast. Oh, it's just, the best, right? Just like when you don't have to do any of that. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are doing everything right, man. Like you guys are getting guests. You guys are being consistent, which I think might be the biggest thing, because especially in the off season, people will fall off or, you know, sure. with the grind of the season, it's easy to miss a week or two here. And then people, I mean, rightfully so, this is all, none of us are in this full time. So you got a bunch of other things going on, but you guys are making the commitment every week to get guests on the show, to to actually produce content every week and to be timely with your content, doing it on Saturdays to make sure it's the most up to date. That's why you guys have had the success you've had and you continue to have. So uh, again, if you guys have not checked out the On The Wire pod on the Pitcherless Podcast Network, it is one of the best, I'm not even say up and coming because you guys are pretty much there at this point. Uh, podcast out there. So make sure you check out the On The Wire pod and check out Adam Howe on Twitter, which they can find you at 80 grade, right? That's the, uh, the Twitter handle. It's all spelled out. Yep. There we go. All right. Then let's hop into the show for tonight as we, uh, the about the eight minute mark here. That's going to be our top fantasy first baseman. We are doing our position previews here for triple play fantasy catcher last week. This week we are touching on first base and this is an interesting position because there are some values. There also is uh, some behemoths at the top that can, I, I think, can set you ahead of many others in certain categories. So uh, it'll be interesting to see us talk about who we like and who we fade here. But triple play style means we always go to the guests first. And we talk about players we love because we like to be positive to start out. So 
Adam, let's go ahead and start off with your first player going inside the top 10 ADP over the last two weeks on the NFBC. Who in the top 10 do you find yourself drafting a ton of this year? Yeah, um, I wish I could say that I've been drafting him a, a ton of places, uh, except that I'm not the only one that seems to like him where he's going, maybe just a little bit earlier than me. But I've got my eye on Jose Abreu, uh, you know, heading over to Houston. Couldn't have picked a better spot. I was, uh, you know, couldn't have picked a better spot that was contending who actually wanted his services. Um, and, you know, he wasn't going to Colorado. He wasn't going to Cincinnati. Houston's right up there as far as uh, the places you want to see him go. Uh, ADP, when I when I looked, uh, it was around ADP 94, just inside the top 100, seventh rate first baseman or seventh first baseman off the board. Um I, all the concern. If he had stayed in Chicago, I might still have all these concerns. But of course, the concerns in 2022 is you know his homers went down, uh, his fly ball percentage dropped consistently, as did his home run per fly ball rate. You know, probably because, simply put, he not he stopped pulling the ball um, as much as he had in the past. Uh, he dropped it down to 36.8 percent. While you know, you know, when you try to go oppo, that's just where fly balls go to die, um, and a lot harder to hit home runs that way. Um, and it's been going down, you know, kind of steadily since 2019. Uh, we saw a 36.8 percent pull rate in the past, but it didn't come with the same drop in fly ball percentage, so the power didn't really evaporate like we saw in 2022. Um, I also noticed uh, he changed his approach a little bit in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he uh, dropping his strikeout rate by four points, uh, which with that, you know, it comes increased batting average, but it took away from the opportunities to drive the ball more often than he was seeing. He was being a little bit more selective. He's just trying to, you know, get the ball in play. I'm, I'm expecting slash hoping to see him kind of tap back into that pull heavy approach when he goes into Houston, whose Crawford boss boxes are going to look awfully tempting uh, to somebody with his profile and his ability. Um, and just, let's just talk about the fact that Houston is a way better team. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's been proven that it's not so much you get better pitches when you're around better players. It's just the fact that there are more opportunities to knock players in and score runs. If you have better players playing in or around you in the lineup. Um, I mean, if you look just at last year, the white Sox top three hitters, which included Abreu, um, he has, he batted uh, third and fourth throughout the season. Uh, you batted third, 57 games, but those top three players slash 266, 316, 404, for a 105 WRC plus, not that great. Uh, Houston's top three hitters, which should be pretty similar to what we saw last year, uh, slash 274, 355, 466 for a 135 WRC plus. That being said, really focusing on that OBP, more opportunities to have runners on base for him to knock in. Even if he's not hitting them over into the boxes, he's at least giving an opportunity to rack up more RBIs, what we're used to closer to that, you know, that 100 mark that we got used to for so many years from Abreu. Um I mean, there's a there's a lot to like here, man. And like his hard contact rate last year, which I always reference, Kevin and I always reference hard contact rate rather than hard hit rate. Um, it stabilizes a lot faster. It's hard hit balls over plate appearances instead of over batted balls uh, events. Um, it's 37.7%. Um, that was the second highest hard contact of all baseball last year. So man still can hit the ball really, really hard. And if he decides, Hey, you know what? I see what Bregman's doing in Houston. I'm going to take advantage of this pull, pull happy stadium that can really help me out. 
he's gonna have he's gonna have runners on base to knock in, and he, I can see him getting closer to that you know that thirty that back up to that thirty home run mark in his new environment. There's a lot to like there, like you were saying about Jose Abreu, so much so that Doc also talked about want to talk about Jose Abreu. Doc, is there anything you would like to add on the Jose Abreu love here? I mean, some hitters some hitters just age really well, and he's going to be 36 before the mm-hmm. season starts, and we've seen. Players like Nelson Cruz that can go into their late 30s, even early 40s, and still produce at a high level. I mean, last year, I think the 15 home runs was an anomaly. He had 30 the year before that. He had 19 in 60 games in the shortened pandemic season in 2020. Uh, Max exit velocity, 89th percentile. Average exit velocity, 93rd percentile. Hard hit, 97. XBA, 98. X slug, 92. He just had the lowest K percentage of his career. Somebody that sees the ball really well. And let's just talk about the fact that he's durable. Last season, mm-hmm. he played 157 games. The year before that, 152. In 2020, he played all 60. And in 2019, he played 159 games. That might go down a little bit because they do have him at first base, and I think that he will play more in the field so that Alvarez can DH. But I still think he's a lock for 145-plus, barring any injury. I mean, why don't we keep the Abreu love going here? I, I, this was going to be my player that I was going to pick before I saw both of you already took him, so I, I wanted to go somewhere else. I, I just will add to Jose Abreu, who is my favorite going in the top 10 here. He has 863 RBIs since he debuted, uh, and that is second in all baseball since he debuted uh, in the big leagues in 2014. He had a 335 batting average last year over the last three quarters of the season, still had a 304 batting average on the full season. He's averaged over 650 plate appearances per year over 162 games for his career, has never had a WRC plus worse than 114. He also is joining a lineup with Jordan Alvarez, Jose Altuve, Kyle Tucker, and Alex Bregman, and Jeremy Pena. So the counting stats are going to be insane. You guys already talked about the hard contact rate. Uh, so I don't really need to touch any more on that. He was in the 93rd percentile average exit velocity, had a 16.2% strikeout rate last year. The guy does not even strike out. Uh, launch angle was a little lower. It was the first time under 9.9 degrees, but like there's so much here. It's insane. Uh, and, and the fact his ADP has been rising uh, steadily over the last couple of months, uh, even a couple of months ago, I want to say he was going like close to 110. And now I believe the updated ADP is he is going uh, right around 93 now. So he's risen up like pretty much 20 spots. So it, people are catching on. So he's definitely continuing to go up. Gennaro uh, Napoli says, Brave is getting older. His bat speed therefore slows down. Maybe that's what's up with the turning to Oppo. I'm not sure why, although I love Abreu. I don't think you'll be unhappy with drafting Jose Abreu this year. He's going to be someone you plug in at first base or corner infield, and you're just going to set it and forget it every week. Uh, no concerns there. We're not going to spend all this time on every player. So, Elsie, let's go to you next. Maybe not quite as much on this next one here. Tell us who you love in the top ten. Not quite as much, man. I got it. I got it. I'm I'm pro. I'm I'm pro Matt Olson. Matt Olson's a big dude, and he hits the ball hard, and he's been doing that for a long time. <clears throat> One of the things that people always talk about is your first season in a new place, your first season on a new contract, uh, and you know it being a sort of a down year. Well, Matt Olson, if that was a down year, produced 189 runs plus RBIs, produced 34 home runs, and a down batting average year hit 240 after hitting 271 his last season in Oakland. 
Atlanta, not the great hitters park that old Atlanta baseball stadiums were, still is a better place to hit than he ever had in Oakland. Uh, Hit 39 home runs in Oakland one season. His barrel rate is the same. His max exit velocity was the best of his career last year. Incredibly consistent. I think that around pick 40, Matt Olson is someone who is just, you know, don't don't get don't get too fancy. Plug in 35 home runs and almost 200 runs plus RBIs in your first base and move on to the next part of your draft. I do think one point I did want to make, <clears throat> it feels like between 40 and 80 something there, that's where there's a lot of these like bust players, people who you're not 100% sure on, you're trying to get like an upside on a pitcher who had a good season last year or a hitter who you're like, maybe like Tyler O'Neill or Kenta Maeda or Blake Snell or what have you run down the list. Don't go down that road. If you don't have to, maybe you can just get a plug and play like a Matt Olson power, decent batting average, not going to crush you there. Power and counting stats. Matt Olson, I think where he's going is, is, is just solid value. I'm not going to lie. He's my fade. Uh, we can get to that, I guess, later on when we talk about our fade. So I'll save my argument for that. He's, he's a steady player for sure. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about later on. But I, I, the information is he is somebody that's going to give you some good counting stats. And he's with a team that uh, in a good lineup and um, has produced. He's in a range where there could be a lot of misses. So I can see your points there, LC. Marty, let's go ahead and talk about your guy who uh, our buddy Bubba coins Reese's Pieces. I think it's an awesome nickname. So I like that. Talk about Reese Hoskins. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Hoskins, he's uh, ADP of 121. He's the ninth first baseman off the board. So he's being drafted in the, um, you know, eighth round in a 15 team league, um, 10th round in a 12 team league. And he's sandwiched between uh, Nathaniel Lowe and CJ Crone. Um, the steamer projections for this year 232 batting average, a 330 on base, 450 slug. 30 home runs he's projected for, which uh, ties him with Rowdy Telez for the fourth most projected for first basemans. Uh, 86 runs, 87 RBI. Uh, Roster Resource now has him uh, batting third in the lineup until Harper gets back. So he's going to be getting plenty of at-bats to begin the season. He'll probably just be bumped the fourth when Harper does come back in June uh, or July. And the strategy, and this is what I'm looking to do with Hoskins, I can start my draft in a 15-team league with one to two elite bats, three starting pitchers and a top tier closer and still get Hoskins around mm. that eighth, ninth round. Love that. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's nothing too sexy about Hoskins. You know, he's not going to, I don't think there's crazy upside there, but he's nice and stable. Um, he has you know, really good power, his ability to see pitches. It's a pretty good profile. Um, but the one thing I am worried about is his batting average um, 35th percentile in XBA last year. That um and I, I the two thirty two projected batting average he's going for um this year so what and I talked about uh, expected batting average a lot last week with catchers so if I can get a, a Kybert Ruiz or an Alejandro Kirk and maybe somebody else you know with the with the higher end you know two eighty two seventy five batting average that offset what I'm going to lose a little bit with Hoskins I'm really setting myself up for a really good um really good draft in those first ten rounds I like how you laid out the draft strategy that goes with it too. Cause I think he falls in a really good place with, if you go that route, uh, I think that's, that's a great way to go. And he's someone you can definitely wait on later on. Um, but we're talking about guys here going outside the top five, six. So basically I think we all are looking 
in this range as the values uh, five and beyond. You talk about Matt Olson, Jose Abreu, Reese Hoskins. If you're going to go in the top five, this is the guy you got to get, and that's Pete Alonzo. So if you're going to spend up for a first baseman, he needs to be the guy at ADP. He's the best value here. Third first baseman off the board. He's going right now, right around pick 19, 20 ADP here. Now, fun fact for you guys. Who do you think has the most home runs in baseball since 2019? Are you going to say Pete Alonzo? Um, go ahead. Just guess. Is it Suarez? I, Is Jenny Suarez? Uh, Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge. I would have guessed Alonzo. LC. Yeah. It is, it is Pete Alonzo. Pete Alonzo, yeah. yeah. It is Pete Alonzo. You need to frame that question better because you could have seen it be like a trick question. Yeah. So I was trying yeah. to see if I could bait you yeah. into it. Uh, so Pete Alonzo has 146 home runs since he debuted in 2019. Aaron Judge is second with 137. Uh, he has 33 more home runs then sixth place on the list, Nolan Arenado. So keep in mind, once you get outside the top five over the last three years or four years, he is basically a full season's worth of home runs ahead of sixth place. That's how many, that's basically the amount of power you get from this guy. Steamer hasn't projected for the second most amount of home runs in baseball next year behind only Aaron Judge. So he is, in terms of power, a lock. Last year, only four players hit 40 home runs or more. 23 players hit 30 home runs or more, and 71 hit 20 or more. Compare that to 2021, where five players hit 40, and you had 39 hit 30. So 23 last year hit 30, 39 hit 30 in 2021. 71 hit 20 or more in 2021. 102 hit 20 in 2020, or 2022, 2021. You get what I'm saying. The point being, Power is becoming a lot more of a premium thing with the dead end ball. Pete Alonzo is probably one of the four or five sure things when it comes to power. And with the increase in stolen bases, we're expected to see this year with the bigger bases, the pickoff attempts, everything baseball is doing. Pete Alonzo is somebody you need to make sure you draft early on to secure that power. And then you don't have to worry about it when you draft later. Pete Alonzo is that pick you got to make. If you're going to take a first baseman early, you take Pete Alonzo. I thought you were going to say about Pete Alonzo's increased stolen bases for a second. There. I, I was, I was, I was, I was like, how many too. stolen bases are you predicting for Alonzo this season? <laughs> I, I predicted a lot, but I, I will say he has a, a 260 batting average or better in three of his four seasons. He also has uh, the a career barrel per uh, plate appearance is double that of the major league average. And he's at a sub 20% K rate each of the last two seasons, man. Like, like if you want, it's like, he's a book. He's, he's a book that like the story, you're just like looking for like where the bad thing's going to happen. It's just like a happy book. It's a happy book with no bad ending. in it. It's like, it's fantastic. So draft Pete Alonzo. David, you make it sound like he's running for office and you're his camp. I would vote for him if he ran and for office. That's why you need to draft Pete Alonzo. I would, I would vote for him. And so would, and, uh, so would our guy Giannardo too. Like, I, like <laughs> why not? The Rock can do it. Why can't he do it? So <laughs> let's move to the flip side then. Let's go to the players that we don't like as much in the top 10. Adam, kick us off here. Who are we looking at here? Uh, yeah, top 10. I mean, for really, a lot of this has to do with a lot of what you just said about Pete Alonzo. What I'm looking for out of my first baseman, if if I'm going first baseman early, um, which is rare, but um, I have I have a couple of, I have some exposure to Pete Alonzo already in the second round. Um, 
but I'm uh, I'm probably skipping right over Freddie Freeman in the first round. Uh, ADP um, last two weeks or so thir- of 13, second right behind Vladdy going off the board at first base. Um, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say Freddie Freeman is a bad player. You don't want him on your fantasy team. If you end up with Freddie Freeman post ADP 13, like if you're getting, if he drops and drops and you get him at the back end or the beginning of the second round, I'm probably okay with that. Um, he, I mean, he's going to help you pretty much everywhere, uh, but I'm not using my top round pick for what Freddie Freeman is now bringing to the table. Um, you know, we saw, I just picked Jose Abreu, you know, a few rounds later, and he's he has the same concerns last year as we saw out of Freddie Freeman as far as just the total counting stats and the production uh, that we got out of him. And if we're expecting both of them to move um, move back into what we what we hope to see, I'd rather pay the discounted price at 96 or so for Jose Abreu rather than pay the first or even, you know, top of the second round uh, cost for Freddie Freeman. Um, you mean 23 home runs last year. Uh, he's, he also started going opposite field more often. Um, so, you know, again, that's where all your home runs are going to go to die. Uh, he started going um, – he, he stopped going towards center field and started pushing the opposite way. And he didn't really change um, his pull percentage per- so much. Um, so the fly ball percentage stayed pretty much the same, but his home run for fly ball took a hit again, because he's going a little bit more opposite field. Um, the, the other thing is that the Dodgers didn't, what the Dodgers do um, to help him and help his lineup. Uh, yeah. Today he, they just traded from uh, Miguel Rojas to play uh, shortstop uh, the majority of the time that's probably not going to be the replacement for Trey Turner that you're looking for at the top of the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, so that didn't get any better. So even though they've got Mookie at the top, whatever they end up putting um, right um, you know, above at the bottom of the order is not going to be much more helpful to Freddie Freeman's counting stats moving forward, looking at Trace Thompson. We're looking at um, you know the rest of that, the bottom half of that lineup. Those are the guys that are going to try to get on base um, and they're not going to be as successful as Mookie plus Trey. As simple as that. Um, also, I mean, like what, like you said about Pete Alonso, what I'm looking out to get out of my first baseman is that least is that is that power. I'm looking for at least 30, 30 home runs. Um, I'm not. I, I don't think Freddie Freeman is, has that kind of guarantee that a lot of the other guys at the top, like Vlad does, like Pete Alonso do, like even Matt Olson does, um, to, in that top four or five options at first base. Um, and so the the argument you get about Fre- you know Freddie Freeman not only the longevity not only you know he plays every day is that added stolen bases I'm not looking for the stolen bases out of my first baseman simple mm-hmm. as that I know the adage is like you want to try to get you want to scatter your first your stolen bases throughout your draft and get as many as you can but in the first second round I can still get a really good player who can get me 20 25 30 stolen bases without you know, on top of the power that probably the equal kind of power that you're going to get out of Freddie Freeman. Um, the thing also is that I've got all these, all right, I've been looking at this on basis a lot more. I don't think Freddie Freeman is going to be the type of guy that, that, um, that help gets helped by the new rules. Um, he had one of the lowest, he had the most opportunities to steal bases on the Dodgers last year. And when I say that, I mean, he had the most amount of, he saw the most amount of pitches on first or second base with the next base open. Um, and he, 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 he attempted a stolen base the least often. Um, so he was the least aggressive base runner on the team. Um, and so even though he saw more opportunities than anybody else, including more, more often than Trey Turner, uh, he just, 
he only had, the, you know, he had the 13 stolen bases. He only attempted, I think it was 16. Um, and so I, I think that with his age going up and the rule, the rules might help him kind of balance that, but I'm not expecting more than like 10 or 11 stolen bases from him next year. It's not something where I think he's going to, you know, all of a sudden become, you know, an 18 or 19 stolen base guy just because of the new rules. So he's not adding enough in that category to balance out the, the drop in the drop in home runs. I mean, the count stats are still going to be there. The average is still going to be there. He's going to play every single day. He's like the only guy on that team who has like a set position except for Mookie. And I'm talking about Mookie even playing second base a little bit now. So um, there's a lot to like about Freeman. He's just, I'm just not paying that draft capital to, to, to my, my rosters. Yeah. 21 home runs last year, 13 Sorry. steals, but a 39% uh, percent sp- or 39% sprint speed. So you do like, I don't think you're banking on a ton of steals there and you're you having to pay up for him. So unless you're really, really looking to pay up, uh, like we were talking about, maybe in this range, if you're paying up, you're looking for power from like Pete Alonzo here. Else, I'm assuming that similar reasoning for why you're fading Vlad Guerrero, who is the first first baseman mm-hmm. off the board here. Similar reasons in, in terms of the uh, paying up. What are you getting back in return? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And and Vlad's profile has profiled to be a bit more power than than Freddie has the last few seasons. Vlad's hit 32 home runs last year, but um, the the potential and the the reality of what it seems like his three of his four seasons in the big leagues, his power has been a little bit down, his launch angle has been down, and his batting average has been you know above average, but not that MVP season of 311, where he hit 311 with 48 home runs and 234 runs plus RBIs. Last season came back down to 270, where he had been prior to 2021, where he hit 260 and 270 in those seasons. His home runs per fly ball came back down to that same level that he had before then. I I, I think that you know we're seeing we're starting to see you know a, a level for him, and it's still very good. You know, 270, close to 200 runs plus RBIs, 30 to 35 home runs, but. You know, you're what are you getting over Matt Olson on that? You're getting a couple points of batting average. What are you getting on Jose Abreu on that? Maybe some power. Um, you know, so with the depth of first base, at least at starting talent first base, I think that uh, I would rather wait on the position than address that in the first round. Or I do, I do like, I do like Olson. Uh, I do like, um, sorry, uh, Big Pete, uh, Polar Bear, as well. Yeah, I think we're, we're kind of all out on the first couple guys here. Marty is also out on someone here in the top five going Paul Goldschmidt, who coming off a, a year I think many of us didn't see coming Insane at his age, year. like an MVP type season for Mr. Yeah. Goldschmidt here. So talk to us after we saw last year, you think it's coming crashing down this year? Not crashing down, but I mean, yeah, I mean, we're asking a 35-year-old to be an MVP again, you know, and something that, I mean, two years ago, he was going like in the 50s and the 60s for his ADP because people just thought, not that he's like completely dropped off the face of the earth, but, you know, um, father time is undefeated and moving to that park, which it doesn't scream hitters park, but he did an, I mean, he had an amazing career season last year, one of his best of all time, and you're paying for it. His ADP is 26.93. He's the fourth uh, first baseman off the board. He's a second-round pick in a 15-team league, and he's a third-round pick in a 12-team. 
Now I'll, I'll give him his flowers. Uh, Steve Murray projection still loves him. He had over 666 plate appearances. He's bat. They have him for 274 average, 29 homers, 91 runs, 95 RBI, and six stolen bases. And he's going to be batting third between uh, Wilson Contreras and Nolan Arnado. So good place to be. But it's just his ADP is too. It's just it's too high. And we and I talked about this last week. You know the word opportunity cost, which really got got Doc going. Hopefully it uh, it landed the same this week as well. But I'd rather go with Mike Trout, you know, Austin Riley, Edwin Diaz, Emmanuel Class A. You know, those are the guys that stand out to me. Or mm-hmm. I'm hoping I can get Pete Alonzo. Like if I'm going to if I'm going to jump into the first base pool that early, Alonzo's the guy I want to get. I won't go into why we already have, but I'd rather solidify an elite. I'd rather get a, an elite pitcher, a third, an elite third baseman at that point. Um, just not just not Goldilocks. I'm good on him. You know what? I opportunity cost got me going last week. It was a good economic term, and he said he's not going to come crashing down. But it sounds like there's going to be a market correction for Paul Goldschmidt. Is what well. oh. baseball listeners is going down. <laughs> you want to hear <laughs> that stuff? I do like Marty that you uh, referenced that you're going to take a, a, a plunge into the pool with the polar bear. That was a good reference. You didn't even realize you did it, or maybe you did. I don't know. I didn't know. Good, good call. That's what we do here, uh, Doc. Your player was the one I was going to pick as well. But just so we could talk about a couple other players, I will go in a different direction. We know I'm going to talk about Olsen. But we're both very much out on CJ Crone this year. I am curious because Adam did go into my DMs and message me and say, how we feel about CJ Crone? And I said, oh, don't worry, Doc's going to bring him up. Was that for a pot? You said it was, uh, I believe you said, is anybody negatively going to talk about Crone? Were you going to switch your pick to him if we hadn't already covered it? Oh no! I just wanted to make sure that somebody was going to bring him up. I gotta... <laughs> yeah, somebody's going to trash him. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this sounds like if CJ Crone, if you listen, I'm, I apologize. We're going to we're going to a little uh... positive spin, but I'll wait. I want to hear all the negative stuff first. Okay, Doc, you go ahead. You go ahead and do your bashing of CJ Crone. CJ Crone will not be a crony of me. I'm trying to trying to carry on with the puns. I'll give it so, a C. We look. He's going to be 33 years old when the season starts, and he's had his two best years in Colorado, and it's it's not not hard to tell why because of the thin air. Um, and he's actually been healthy the last two seasons, but when you look last year, K percentage went up from 21.4 to 25.9 percent. The walk percentage went down from 11 uh, to 6.8 percent, and the splits are what's really alarming to me. I had money that he was going to lead the league in home runs, and it looked good after the first month. First half, 298, 21 homers, 124 runs plus RBIs. The second half, 197, 8 home runs, 57 runs plus RBIs. You now look at the home road splits. In 73 home games, 302, 22 homers, 128 runs plus RBIs. Played 77 road games, so four more. 214, 7 homers, 53 runs plus RBIs. And he also has one stolen base the last four seasons. You're not going to get anything from there, especially from a guy that has knee uh, knee issues. So just where he's going at ADP, uh, he's the 10th ranked first baseman, 134 average. You're not, you're not getting what you got last year. I think the first half is why his, his value is where it's at now because it reflected on his overall stats and not just the second half. I think that you put that pretty well. Also, his chase rate was the highest it's been since 2018 in terms of just chasing balls out of the strike zone. Uh, you take him out of course field, he was a below 
league average first baseman last year. You're banking on him having the same Coors effect. Adam, I, I, we are going to have some positivity here. Now's the time because this is bringing the mood down a little well, bit. What if I could tell you, what if I could sell you a CJ Crone that you never had to play when he was on the road? That you only got CJ Crone when he was in Colorado? Continue. Uh, <laughs> I have your attention. Okay. Right. Um, and this goes for all Colorado hitters. As Kevin Hastings, my co-host at On The Wire, uh, pointed this out early, early in the offseason. Um, if you look at the Colorado schedule, and you play on the NFBC, you can actually manipulate your roster, your lineup, um, so that you can get 80 out of the 81 home games in your lineup, and you can avoid, you can bench Colorado players 100% of their road games and not get any of them. So at CJ Crone, if you can get what he did at home last year, half the season, and then supplement that roster spot in your lineup with a league average hitter, um, you're 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 gonna get, you know, assuming his knees hold up, assuming that he you know he plays every day, mm-hmm. and all the other assumptions that you have to go into. Um, this goes pretty much to anybody on Colorado, um, maybe exception of like Blackman, because uh, he's played there long enough. He's kind of figured it out. You know, his home run splits aren't as stark as CJ Cronus. Um, and, and on top of that. So you need somebody that you need to pair that with. And actually, this is a nice little tease for later in the episode for a guy that I'm going to talk about probably. Um, if you look, I looked uh, yesterday, Cincinnati's road games, um, actually uh, home games, match up pretty well with Colorado's um, away games. You can get um, 16 out of the 23 series that Colorado plays on the road. Cincinnati plays at home. So if you can find, you know, a low ADP first base um, eligible player uh, to draft after uh, after CJ Crone and pair him with him, maybe he has dual eligibility. Maybe you can put him in an outfield and first base um, and get his Cincinnati home stats while CJ Crone's road stats sit on your bench. Um, that, that's something that's something of interest to me moving forward in dress. Something I'm looking You're at. You're assuming bit all things are equal from. Oh, there's so, so much assumption make, to make. <laughs> I, I, like I, the I can't. Classes, I can't assume with an ADP of 134. Sorry, but he's talking about pairing him up with somebody later on, which I, I can respect too. I I don't know if I'll necessarily go that route, but I like just the fact that you said you can basically play them for all but one of their home games. And not have to worry about the road games that you have to play, especially in those weekly leagues, which can be a killer. That, that's a huge deal. Um, that definitely, again, adds another wrinkle to his ADP there. I don't know how many people realize that. So I want to credit that. That's awesome that Kevin was able to figure that out. That's why he was a TGFBI winner here. Uh, Gennardo says, I remember when Chrome was an angel, then moved to, to T, Tampa Bay, then Minnesota, and then Detroit. It was awesome the last two years in Colorado. If healthy, a good pick after round 10. But the injury fairies, yeah, he's the injury fairies are strong with that one. So that definitely is is the risk in there uh, with taking CJ Crone. But I do think he's probably got an IL stint or two in him with his age and his history of injuries there. Uh, and then our buddy Toby, you want to shout out Toby? What's up, Toby? Z2 Fancy checking in. Miss you, guy. I hope you're doing well, man. I know you've been busy with a lot of stuff going on, but you know we're always here for you. Anytime you can pop in, we always uh, enjoy talking with you, man. Real quick, Elsie. You talked about you liked Matt Olson, and I'm a little off Matt Olson. I I know we're getting to 40 minutes in here, so we don't have to go too long on Matt Olson here. 
since 2018, he's only hit above 250 once. So he's not necessarily the best bet for batting average. Coming off the year where he struck out 170 times, his K rate over the last three years has been all over the place. So you can't say he's consistently been below, above or below or getting better. It seems like every year it's kind of a mixed bag. If you're going to pay up for a top five first baseman, I would much rather pay up for a couple of the other guys over Matt Olson, who I feel isn't quite as consistent as some of the other guys. He also has a, a ground ball rate that's been up over the last couple seasons here. I just think if you're going to pay a top 50 pick for a first baseman, I would much, I'll just go and pay the extra round mm-hmm. to go get a, a Goldschmidt or, you know, Pete Alonzo extra round or two. Uh, I would take one of those guys or I would just wait to get one of the guys later on. I think Olsen's kind of in that nowhere, nowhere land for me personally. I, I think he, well, if you're go, if you go with a speedy author, like a Tucker, like an Acuna in your first pick, come back in your second pick, get a pitcher, third pick. I think he pairs pretty well with that start. You get some good power in your first base. That position is then set for you. You can ignore it for the rest of the draft. He's always healthy while well, he has been for the last few seasons. You're right. His batting average is what it is volatile in a profile. Um, he was down at 195 in the 60 game short sample of, of 2020, mm-hmm. but He's been 260, 240 something, 270, 240, the 195 in there. <clears throat> I, I I think that uh, the the expected batting average, the projection of 249 is a pretty safe, pretty soft and and, and conservative uh, uh, um, projection for him. 240, 250 would be mm-hmm. pretty conservative in my in my book. I'm with that too. I mean, 249 I think is is right about what we should expect here. Before we move on to the next range here, which this guy actually falls in the next range, Toby brings up Christian Walker, top seven season incoming. We all didn't pick Christian Walker. Do we see him repeating what he did last year? Just so we can go around really quick. Yes or no. I, I see. I see a little bit of regression coming for him. I see a slight drop off, but not huge. Yeah. Are we team Christian Walker? Or are we team getting somebody else? I would get somebody else. I'm out on him. I'd have to get stuck with him. <laughs> yeah, really good batting average first. the second yeah. half of last year. Which made sense because <laughs> he had the worst Babbitt um, at yeah. the beginning of the first half. Yeah, I, but I, I, would, I yeah. don't love the profile. All right, let's move on then to the next range here. Let's start talking. This is my favorite part where we get into the second group because I think this is the top 10. It's like I think it's a little bit more condensed. Here, even though it's the same number of players, you can start forming opinions more so about these guys. So let's go with our favorite going in the 11 to 20 range. Adam, kick us off here. All right. So this is uh, 14th man off the board at first base, uh, ADP around 150, 151. Thereabouts. Uh, it's Anthony Rizzo in uh, lefty in Yankee Stadium. I think my argument right there is over. Um, that's all <laughs> I have to say. Um, that's all there is to say about that. Uh, no, I mean, Anthony Rizzo is also in the same category as, you know, Corey Seager, everybody's talking about like, he's going to be one of the guys that, that is helped most by the more, I wouldn't say the, the shift ban, but the lack shift rules, we're still going to see some versions of the shift. Um, but I, I do think that the lack shift rules are going to help bring his BAPA back up to that 250 range um, that we've seen in the past or 250 plus um, he's at 216 in 2022. Um, so obviously a little bit of luck involved in that as well. 
Uh, he's just a better overall hitter than his batting average last year would lead you to believe. Um, he's about he's above average in every contact metric, including inside and outside the zone contact. Um, and, and so, you know, the man knows how to put, uh, you know, a bat to ball. Um, hitting third for the Yankees, he's sandwiched between Judge and Stan. It's going to help keep his other counting stats up. I think he's just gotten more comfortable after a year and a half in in New York. Uh, you know, unless Judge is clearing the bases in front of him to make sure he doesn't have any uh, runners to to hit in, uh, he's going to get the opportunity to, you know, knock in whoever they put at the top of the lineup. I think roster resource right now has uh, Glaber Torres. I'm not sure if that'll stick or not, um, but he's going to have opportunity to knock guys in and keep those static counting stats up. Um, you know, I'm I'm drafting Rizzo. And I've drafted him a couple places already. You know, expecting him to stay above the 30 home run mark with a batting average that won't hurt me. Um, I don't expect him to get you know close to that 300 mark that we've seen in the you know in Chicago. But you know, if he if he hits you know hits over 250, he's not going to hurt me, especially in this day and age. Uh, you can get 80 plus runs in RBIs. Um, I I don't really trust any anyone else around him. Um, at that ADP to put up all three of those counting stats. Again, I'm not looking for stolen bases at first base, especially not at this point in the draft. Um, if I'm des- that desperate for stolen bases, I'm you know I, hopefully I already got my first baseman <laughs> that's uh, that's filling in that spot. Um, you know, a little bit more you know aggressive. I'm a little bit more aggressive than I think his current steamer production projections. Uh, but I'm also assuming that he'll play pretty much every day. Again, I know he's another guy that's getting a little bit older, uh, father time and all that, but. Uh, he, sh- I, I'm, I'm thinking he's gonna hit, you know, hit that 145, 150 game mark. Steamer only has him for 130 games. Um, you know, that should bring up his volume in general and and get to that. And if he can continue to pull the ball like he was last year, take advantage of right field. Only three of his home runs all season went left of center field. Um, all, all the rest, you know, all the other 29 went over the right field wall at various stadiums. Most of them in Yankee Stadium. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna hit that thirty home run mark again, and um, again, I don't expect him to be a two two teen uh, hitter, and I don't expect him to have a batting average that's gonna hurt me at that point in the draft. Yeah, there's a lot to like there for Anthony Rizzo. Stayed in the best ballpark for him at this point in his career, and getting him in the middle of this range here. So, uh, ADP is definitely very fair for what he could produce for you for next season here. So, I, I do like the call with Anthony Rizzo. LC, let's go to you, though, for your next one here. And for your player that you like, you you gave me a couple different different ones. You said first base is a wasteland. So you never actually said who you like to go here. Who did you have deciding on? No, <laughs> no um, I'm going Andrew Vaughn here. Um, I did want to point out on to Adam's point, Brian Hoke was on the fantasy baseball beat two weeks ago, maybe a week and a half ago on triple play talked about how Rizzo is going to be advantaged most out of all Yankees by the shift mm-hmm. uh, change. And uh, so I wanted to point that out as well. So, um, but Andrew Vaughn, I, I do want to talk about him. Andrew Vaughn's one of my guys coming. Andrew Vaughn is, as Vinny says, it's Andrew Vaughn season. So you're perfect timing, Vinny, right? As he's about to talk. That's right. Him up. That's, right. That's right. Andrew Vaughn, uh, someone who who is finally settling into his, uh, position that he's comfortable with. He only played 20 or so games at first base last season, playing most of his time in the outfield. And one thing you noticed, what you saw with him, he when he played the outfield, he would get subbed out for defensive purposes at the end of games. He would he would uh, lose at bats for that 
for that purpose. One of the things that I like about this season, he's coming in consistent with his position and he's going to come in with a consistent, uh, consistent lineup spot and, and consistent playing time. I'm expecting perhaps growth from, from power. Cause as David talked about recently and about how the White Sox approach is going to be changing this year, they Larusa was pushing more of a line drive gap to gap approach. So, um, <clears throat> Uh, something that was reflected in a Braves statistics last year. I do expect there to be a little bit of a power growth, but I'm expecting a lot of growth from Vaughn because of plate appearances. He, I'm, I'm hoping he gets over six, six twenty, six hundred and thirty plate appearances this season in that uh, in that Chicago lineup. And I'm hoping for him to to, and I'm expecting a growth because he's he's hit a thousand plate appearances in his career, and he's getting to twenty five. That uh, that old prospect growth isn't linear uh, um, is going to happen and kick in this season. I, I do think that he's gotten to a point where that uh, natural talent's going to start showing and the statistics on the field. And I like where he's going around pick 140, uh, 145. It's well, he's one of those examples that we talked about the approach for the whole White Sox team last year, like you were mentioning just now, too. And people will see that, be scared off of the lack of power, but he's going to be entrenched in a position this year now that – uh, Jose Abreu is gone, and with a, a new coaching staff in place, he should. He was a guy that you know had that thirty home run power potential, and we could get to see that potentially this year. And, and you're getting a, a nice discount on him, so I like the Andrew Vaughn pick there. Doc, let's go to you next. Let's talk about a player here who I actually am going to talk about why I don't like him later on. This was a player I think we were all down on last year. So I'm interested in why you're going to talk him up now. So talk to us about Mr. Mountcastle, the Baltimore Orioles. All right. Well, I'm getting ready to bait you. So I'm getting my fists ready. We all That's how you deal with your problems. You fight. Exactly. That's what you and I did growing up. That's what you and I did growing up. And we're going to do it on the podcast, David. So you might think that his 2022 was disappointing. But was it in a sense, he had 33 home runs go down to 22. I think that was somewhat expected. And when we had Nathan Ruiz on the uh, triple play fantasy baseball beat, he was talking about that a lot just seemed to fly out of the warning track. So hopefully, you know, three or four of those go the separate way. But the RBIs went down from 89 to 85. The stolen bases stayed the same at four. His walk percentage stayed identical. It actually went up 0.1%. He cut his K ray down from... 27.5 27.5 to 25.3%. Now, he's going to be in a better lineup this year. They're going to have Gunnar Henderson there for the entire season, hopefully. Hopefully, the second half of Adley Rutschman, where he was a top catcher, is there for the entire season. So, the figure the counting stats go up. I mean, his second half, he really suffered. He had 221, eight homers, 39 RBIs, had zero steals. But the metrics look great. Average exit, average exit velocity, 88 percentile barrel percentage 94 xba 91 x slug 96 hard hit 82 it's bloodshot red like you'd be seeing someone that's intoxicated so the last point i'm going to make on this is i think a lot of o's hitters it took them a little bit of time to adjust with the new fences they're still probably trying to swing for power like they were doing before but now I think year two of having the fences move back, they're going to be a little bit more adjusted. Maybe they go for more doubles. Maybe they understand the ballpark a little bit better. So I like his ADP at 160. That's the 15th ranked first baseman. So tell me why I hate him, David. I mean, if we're going to just jump, just flip the coin here and jump ship for a second, I'll go to why I don't like him. So 
you talked about how a lot of balls flew to the warning track. 13 of his, what was it, 23 home runs last year? Uh, 22 home runs. 13 of his 22 home runs were considered doubters, which is the worst category for home runs. It means there's a good chance that they might not be gone. Uh, so basically more than half his home runs were considered in that category. His expected home run total was actually minus six to his actual home run. So he should have he should have actually been a lot worse than uh, he was this year in that category. The power was obviously sap with the ballpark, but you, across all ballparks, his power was down. Uh, and to be honest with you, I don't know how much better. I mean, there's Gunnar Henderson's coming there, but I don't think the lineup's getting a huge facelift. And you're getting him in a range where I would much, much rather wait for Rowdy Telez and specifically Josh Bell, who I won't be talking about as my player in this next category that I like, but he was very close to being my pick. Uh, and if to be further on with the point, he outside of June, where he hit seven home runs in June, he never had a month with more than four. And even though he cut his K rate, 22% ish K rate is right around where you want for league average. 25% is still well above average, which you want uh, for someone that especially is not hitting nearly as many home runs as he is supposed to hit. So there's too many holes in this profile for me and too many players I like in that range that I will take after Ryan Mountcastle. So you can keep your Mountcastle. He ain't touching my squad. You know what? You talked a lot about the power being gone, and that's like what I said. But like the RBIs are still there. And I do think Gunnar Henderson will make a difference because that's somebody at the top of the lineup that has speed that will be put in scoring position. Adley made his debut May 21st and didn't get a single RBI the first 20 games that he played. Really didn't pick it up the second half. So full season of him. I I, I mean, David, once again, it's... Uh, no, we'll make a bet. See. It's interesting because Gino says that he uh, he's all in on Mount Castle and he agrees with you, Doc. And year three, Mount the Castle is how he's, he's going He's only 25 it. years old. Like, but at the same time, Toby was talking up Josh Bell with me. So we're Team Josh Bell. You can be Team Rank Mount Castle. I mean, I'm, finishes- jo- I'm Team Josh Bell too. I just can't double down on what I've done. Who, who do you like better? <laughs> um, That's tough. I, I'm going to say slightly Josh Bell. Oh, okay, we can't make a bet. <laughs> Even though Toby says punt to get Connor Joe. <laughs> God, Connor no Joe. No. Uh, but he does like, but Gino does like Ryan Mountcastle, Yankee Stadium, Toronto, Fenway. I mean, I, I'll just say this. I like Mountcastle better at ADP 153 than I do at Rizzo, than I do Miranda. But you like Josh Bell, and Josh Bell is going at ADP 182. But this doesn't mean anything. Somebody could like Josh Bell and draft him earlier. Not everybody drafts the people in the order they go. I mean, not necessarily, but I think, uh, I I don't know. The fact that you're Josh Bell over him, we can't make a bet about it. So it's it's a mute point, to be honest. I have them both over Brandon Drury. (laughs) Facts, facts, facts. Marty, let's go to you next. Talk about the player you love going in this range. It's got to be Roddy Telez uh, for the, mm. from the Brewers. ADP 180.29. He's the 17th first baseman off the board. So he's going in the 12th round in a 15-team league and the 15th round in a 12-team league. Uh, Steamer, Steamer projections have him for 533 plate appearances with a slash line of 247, 325, 485. 30 home runs he's, he's projected for. So he's tied for, for the fourth most for first basemans. 73 runs, 84 RBI. Roster resource has him third in the Brewers lineup. You look at a stat cast page from last year, 90th percentile in X slug, 
88th percentile in barrel percentage and the um, the 98th percentile, 98th percentile in max exit velocity. So he's hitting in a great hitter's park. He has great power. We love his X slug. We love everything you know that, that I'm seeing there from a power standpoint. His strikeout percentage isn't as high as you would expect for someone who um, you know swings as hard as he does and, and tries to get as much lift on the ball as possible. And his walk percentage is in the 77th percentile, so he has a, a pretty good eye there. I mean, I could even see if I if I'm if I completely lose out on first base, I wouldn't even hate him being my my first baseman in a 12 team league. No, you know, or a 15 team <laughs> no. league. I wouldn't absolutely hate it, but you'd have to double up and get somebody for your corner <clears throat> infielder right away. Um, but yeah, I, I love where, where he's going. He's super cheap. Yeah, he is. And I remember, I don't remember the exact stat, but he was one of the best. I believe he actually might have even been the best home run per plate appearance guy over the last couple of seasons, uh, just in terms of what he was doing with the limited plate appearances he was getting over the last few seasons. So he's He's somebody that does a lot of things, doesn't get a lot of the shine that these other players get at first baseman, especially ones going a little earlier, but a great value. And the Brewers need his offense, so he should be able to play most days. So Roddy tells us I think it's a great call there. Um, last player here that we'll talk about, Elsie, let's let's battle. I, I literally I brought to battle with me. I have like every single weapon you can imagine to fight you about Jose Miranda. And I am prepared for any argument that you give me. This might be the player I'm most prepared to talk about tonight. So, you know what? I want to let's uh, let's go beauty here. Beauty can go before before brains. You can tell me why uh, why Jose Miranda should not be drafted this year. This is like the anchorman fight, and I'm going <laughs> to stab you with a trident right now, David. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Jose Miranda is going around the same. Price is Andrew Vaughn and Miranda is a a good young player. I think when you compare him to Andrew Vaughn, to me, that's where he falls short. It's like, which one do you think is going to come out better this year? Some people probably think Miranda is going to come out better than Vaughn. I definitely think Vaughn's going to come out better because I think Vaughn's going to have more power. I think he's going to be hitting in a better lineup. Um, And I think that, with their price being relatively the same, you can got to say, you know, poo poo Miranda. Why do I think he's going to have more power? Vaughn hits the ball harder than he, than Miranda does. Miranda doesn't hit the ball as hard. Uh, he's got a better launch angle, but his barrel rate is a lot lower than Vaughn's because he doesn't hit the ball as hard. And maybe you could say, well, maybe Miranda's going to have a better batting average his expected batting average was lower than Andrew Vaughn's last season. So um, I think that, you know, Miranda, you know, might end up being a little bit better in the batting average department, but he's going to have, you know, upper teens, home runs, decent counting stats. We were not a hundred percent sold on the whole Minnesota lineup. I know you hate the twins, David. So don't even try to tell me how great it's going to be. Don't even start. Okay. Uh, So like the lineup is meh. And, uh, you know, I think he's kind of like Yuli Gurriel, like, you know, prime Yuli Gurriel in a worse lineup. That's kind of what he seems like to me. With a worse batting average, right? With a worse batting average. Okay, so your your points are valid in terms of, okay, you think that maybe he has more power and you think he's in a better lineup. Like, those points are definitely valid. What if I could sell you with the fact that just this argument – that Jose Miranda qualifies as a third baseman in a position 
where third base is a wasteland, you get that multi-positionality that Andrew Vaughn does not give you. So that, that might already win the argument right there. Andrew Vaughn's an outfielder, outfielder, too. Yeah. He's an outfielder. Yeah. I, I would rather find the third baseman than an outfielder. Uh, <laughs> both outfield, is, outfield is tough, man. I mean, I think that's why Vaughn is going as high as he is in drafts in general. I think more, more people are drafting Vaughn as an outfielder and Miranda as a third baseman than they are either one of those guys as first baseman. That's, that's, that's a good, good point. point. Um, but let's move on then the fact that you look at his batting average on the season and – pretty decent but let me talk about his splits because 251 in the first half he hit 280 in the second half in june and july he hit over 300 and after may which was his first month in the big leagues he didn't have a batting average below 259 in any full month of the season great contact hitter who i think is going to take a bigger leap forward this year than andrew vaughn is roster resource has him hitting six so he will be somewhat in the heart of the order to start the year, I think he's going to be the Twins' best hitter this year uh, by a landslide. I don't think Buxton stays healthy like he normally does. He's going to be the Twins' best overall hitter, probably hitting three or four most games. And this is a stat. I want to give the Welsh credit for this because he's the one who dug up this stat. He was a 241 hitter in 0-2 counts last season. And I don't know if you guys realize 241 in 0-2 counts is absolutely insane. For context, Mookie Betts hit 198 in 0-2 counts last year. And Mookie Betts on 1-0 counts hit 311 with 16 home runs. And 0-1 counts hit 218 with 15 home runs. Jose Miranda, those same uh, counts. On 0-2 counts, we talked about hitting 241. On 1-0 counts, 313 with 9 home runs. And on 0-1 counts, 242 with 4 home runs. So he is already doing that in his rookie season. He dominated the minor leagues, 30 home runs combined across two levels in 2021. And he does not strike out a lot. He's had an under 20% K rate in his rookie season. Steamer projects him for a 269 batting average with 20 home runs. Those projected stats would have him tied for the third best average among third basemen with 20 or more home runs, according to Steamer, tied with Nolan Arenado. So this guy is, is the real deal. I'm telling you guys, Jose Miranda is a bargain where he's going. He's the guy you get if you miss out on those guys kind of in the back end of the top 10. I think he's going to have a better season than Andrew Vaughn, even if he doesn't have quite as much power. He, he still has 20 to 25 homers, I think, guaranteed next year with a full season in the big leagues. I love Jose Miranda. I think you got to get him. David, the irony that before the show, you go off about how much you hate the twins. and they've But what did I say? What did I say? So there's one player I like, Jose Miranda. He's going to be the one that disappoints. You think Jose Miranda yeah, disappoints? Yeah, you, so not. It, just the, him just the, the best narrative. On the yeah, because it's the only player you like. like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm consistent. Right? <laughs> one player I will talk about. And uh, so Gino says he worries about the sophomore slump for Miranda. Although I picked Vaughn before Miranda, he's eligible for third base. That would make the difference. So Adam did bring up a good point. Outfield uh, for Vaughn is also a big deal because outfield is is not great this year either. So both of them go back to back, I think, for that reason with their multi-position eligibility. Are you guys team Bohm with Toby or are you guys team Miranda? For me, Miranda. 
And I just want to make a caveat for outfield. If you're in a three outfielder league, it's not too bad. But when you get into a five yeah. five outfielder league and you're in a 15 team league, that's when we start the, you know, it becomes risky business pretty quickly. And it's even, it's not even fully about like the talent. It's just about the playing time. It's like mm-hmm. by the time you get yep. to your, your outfield four or five, you're like, oh, this guy is definitely not playing every single day. Yeah, yeah that's true. I did forget about Correa's 64 homers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he better hit 64 home runs for what we're paying him and that those medical concerns goodness his gracious. ankles messed up man something's yeah, up with that ankle. actually been signed or is it physical pending once did you guys hear what the mets he passed uh, the physical what, it's officially what, what the mets were asking him to do the no, mets no, no. the mets after year six we're gonna say every year that he had to retake a physical and that he would only get his contract guaranteed for that year if he passes physical every year after his sixth year. Whoever did his surgery, no one's going to ever go to that doctor ever again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ever. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I do believe Jose Miranda is going to be the best hitter in the Twins lineup over Carlos Correa. I, I will make that. Like saying the right best looking one of us. That's not much. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Let's go to the flip side. So we did talk about two arguments here, so we won't spend as long on this section now with only three players going to be mentioned here. But Adam, let's go to you for your dislike in this range. And who are you looking at here? Uh, I think I, I felt like I took the low hanging fruit. You guys can argue with me if I didn't, if you if you feel differently. But um, I'm, I'm like, I don't have any any exposure to Joey Manessis. I don't expect myself to get any exposure to Joey Manessis. It is nice that he has the outfield eligibility. Um but I mean, even at this cost, which is, you know, not not much at, you know, just just inside the top 200. Um, I, maybe I would pick him up as my fourth or fifth outfielder in a five outfielder league. But he's not he's probably not touching my first definitely not touching my first base and uh, probably not even my corner infielder slot. Um, it's questionable skills on a bad team. Simple as that. Um, National Parks is a great place to, to hit in general. Uh, good part factors in that, but uh, it's simply not enough to carry him, especially with the, the cast and crew around him not going to be helping him out. And now they signed Dominic Smith, um, and supposedly he said that they told him that he'd get plenty of playing time. And where's Dominic Smith going to play? Everywhere else that Joey Manessis is going to play. Uh, and so I don't think that Manessis' playing time is guaranteed, no matter how good he looked in you know the month and a half that he saw in Washington. Um, if you want to get a little granular, I mean, I, I just think that I think major league pitchers are didn't have enough time to like adjust to what he was doing um, over a short period of time, and I think they're going to do that quite quickly. Um, in in early on in the season, it's gonna he's gonna have to be forced to make those adjustments back. You know, we see that out of young players all the time. Sure, Manessa was a rookie. But he's not a young player. <laughs> it'll be it'll be his age thirty one season. Um, I think he technically did uh, get out of the rookie status, so it'd be a sophomore season, if you will. Um, but I mean, his average against fastballs and, and breaking pictures went up throughout the season, uh, but his off speed um, went down. And so I would expect that pitchers to kind of realize that maybe he still has some trouble in that area, and they can you know pepper, pepper those in a little bit more and see how he does with them. Um, and I just don't trust that he'll. Well, he's definitely not going to be the new Juan Soto of of Washington, which is what we saw for about six weeks last year. Um, and so, you know, I just it's not a, it's not a risk worth taking for me. You know, what's funny is I, I, you're kind of right. I think we're all kind of feeling that way, especially Marty, who also wanted to talk about Joey Manessis and kind of 
shoot him down a little bit here. Anything you would like to add on the Joey Manessis side here? Uh, no, you- no, I think, you know, he pretty much went, went through everything there. Um, it's, I just can't buy into the, you know, the guys who, who in their prime, you know, I mean, who, who are 28, 29, you know, they finally make it to the big league. So it mm-hmm. took every bit of his being and how his him being his best self to finally make it here. And so that screams like a Jared uh, Jared Walsh or like a Frankie uh, two hits Schwindel. You know, it's that same yep. thing where I just can't buy into it. Now, with all of that said, I have to admit, because, you know, I put my money where my mouth is. I did draft him in our 15-team um, Arizona Fall League draft. I got him as the as my fifth outfielder in the 18th round. So, you know, I, I don't want to draft him. If he if you wait for over the 200 draft pick and he's just there and you need a fifth outfielder so far, the Dominic Smith signing is that's going to be that is something to look at because now they're going to split. They mm-hmm. have him right now. They have Manessas as the uh, DH. DH. With Roster Smith. Resource does, yeah. Yeah, Roster Resource, yeah. They have him um, with um, with Smith being the first baseman. So his playing time might even be taken away a little bit there. So, yeah, just stay away from him. Go get somebody else. I will say I brought up Gino's comment because he says outfielders are like relievers. They show up and surprise you every year. Uh, that's true. Like right now it's, it's, it's ugly and guys like Manessis you're drafting as your fifth outfielder, but guys will pop up as the season goes along here. So uh, just make sure you keep that in mind. And we just talked about like Dominic Smith, who just being signed like that became an option when he wasn't uh, just a few weeks ago. So just kind of keep an eye on the news and playing time and, uh, if you think you might have a guy, maybe you don't and uh, and so on. But uh, definitely interesting point there. The only other player we have not talked about on the downside here, I believe, was a player that was going to be brought up by LC. No, no, LC was Miranda. Uh, Doc, he was, it was Brandon Drury. We talked so much about him last week. I, we spent like a half a show talking about Brandon Drury. So is it fair to say if, if you want to hear why we don't like Brandon Drury just to listen to last week? There will be two things I just say that I don't think we did last week. Um, He's been a part-time player half of his career. He has four stolen bases, and he's going to be 31 years old. And last year he played uh, kind of for an incentive contract, and I don't think that's the case this time. Okay. If you want to hear all the Brandon Drury hate on this podcast, you can listen to – was the catcher preview or was it the one before that? The love. It was the the new faces and new places. New faces, new places. The one before. He's triple eligible, so you have two more podcasts that you can bring him up. (laughs) (laughs) Second base, third base. There you go. There's so much hate. Elsie, you are standing on that island by yourself, just like Toby's standing on the Connor Joe Island right now. Let me have him. I'll take him. Can we do a podcast the day that Art drops Brandon Drury? (laughs) (laughs) Like you have to prepare a speech. How do our YouTube? I'll make a YouTube short. No. Where do you no. stand on it, Adam? Are you are you on Team Brandon Drew or are you out? I, I I mean I like Brandon. I like where he landed. I like that he's with the Angels. I think he's gonna keep the triple eligibility going into 2024. I think the Angels are gonna play him wherever they could possibly play him, and he'll probably get enough playing time throughout the course of the year to hold on to it. Um, I mean I, I don't want I don't have him anywhere as uh, my starting you know starting infielder anywhere but I think I've got him in two or three places where he's either my middle or my corner um, and I'm perfectly fine with that because he's gonna he's still gonna volume I think the, the his versatility he brings to that angel squad and the angels have quietly done a lot of stuff to actually make it look like they you know have a quality ball club as they try to sell the team 
Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, I, I'm taking shots at him um, and he's not going to be somebody I'm not, I'm not going to worry about dropping if he's not performing, but I think that he can, he has a supporting staff around him in, in Anaheim that, and he's got the volume that he can, you know, make his roster spot worth it. Well, Art, you have a Brandon Drury friend now on the podcast. <laughs> That's right. I'll take it. There's room we on do, his uh, island. But yeah, I mean, also you could see where he drops. Like he's right now around 190, the ADP. So like if he falls to like, you know, 220, 230 in a draft, like you never know who you're drafting with. There's a point where you could get value even if you don't like him. Uh, and Vinny, I agree. We need to start an all hate team. He would be the headline, I think, for sure. If we did that. <laughs> Maybe that'll be one of their episode ideas or all hate team <laughs> or something like that. Let's get to the last segment though here. It's our favorite player going after the top 20 and we'll go a little quicker with this one because it's uh, hopefully not as much crazy analysis as these are kind of more dart throws, if you will. Uh, Adam, let's kick it off with you. Who is the player you're taking after the top 20? Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid that he's going to get more and more hype and he's not going to be outside the top 20 um, as, as we continue. So I'm going to take him now while I still can. That's Will Myers. Um, mm. The Brandon Drury of 2023, if you will, going to Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, dual eligible still first base outfield. Uh, Joey Votto has already said that he's behind in where he wants to be in his rehab. Um, probably won't be ready for spring training and thus probably not for opening day, uh, which means even more opportunity for Myers to get in there at first base, keep that first base eligibility, play the corner outfield. Uh, he's in Great American Small Park. That's all you got to really hear. It's Will Myers plus health plus Great America Small Park equals good. Um, that's what I'm looking for. So playing time, volume, and in a great park. Um, you know, if he played all his games last year, which, you know, granted weren't that many, he still would have doubled the amount of home runs that he hit last year, according to Stackass, um, if he played all his games in Cincinnati. Um, obviously, he's got some work to do. Um, he, his fly ball rate's been dropping. Ever since, so he, he, he maybe doesn't need as much of those fly balls in, in Cincinnati because, uh, you know, more of them will still find their way over the fence. Um, but you still, you know, you're going to want to take advantage of that and get that fly ball rate up a little bit higher. Max EV has been going down. Uh, he stays off pitches outside the zone more than league average, though. Um, and so he's a little bit more selective. Uh, if health doesn't take time away from him um i think he's gonna volume himself into a pretty special spot in cincinnati that is until they do exactly what they did with brandon drury and trade him at the deadline in july um whenever the deadline ends up being this year so that's something to keep in mind um as you uh as you pair will myers with cj crone um and you manipulate your uh your roster in that way that you probably won't have the cincinnati um backing him up by the time uh trade deadline the time august rolls around um but you ride that you ride that wave while you can and if you get in a draft right now he's still his adp is still post 250 i think it was 271 when i looked it up last um but that's going to continue to rise uh, especially since he just signed what last week or the week before he's been the hot name in fantasy yeah. baseball twitter for sure I, i've heard him mentioned on a lot of podcasts and marty you were Really quick to put him on your show sheet as the player you wanted to talk about too. So please add to, to the Will Myers love here. Nothing to add. He, Adam <laughs> nailed it. I mean, and the funny thing is, ADP before uh, before Christmas was five hundred and thirty-one. Yeah. So it's yeah. jumped all the way up to two seventy. So yeah, it's get it while keep you going can too. Yeah, as it should. I mean, any any of these guys, the once they sign, their ADP mm -hmm. goes up. Even if they don't sign in a good place, they at least have a job. Yeah. <laughs> so like Miguel Sano, he'll sign if as long as he signs in Major League Baseball, his ADP will go up. 
even if you don't actually want to draft him, he, he will go up in ADP. Elvis Andrews will go up as yep. soon as he gets. So same thing happened with Myers. It just so happened Cincinnati. That's going to bust him even more. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you guys. Before we get to Elsie and, and uh, Doc, there's been a couple times mentioned on the show from the comments about the Red Sox first baseman. Should you draft them? Stay away. I think you got to draft Tristan Casas. Uh, he's one of the guys I think getting at first base after the top 20 here. He right now he's going, I believe, the 24th first baseman off the, the board at pick 224. Uh, so his ADB has gone up a little bit than it was like about a month ago. But I get the fact that he only played in 27 games last year. So it's a very small sample size, but his first 14 games had a 0.79 batting average and a 27% K rate over his last 13 games, a 316 batting average and a 22% K rate, five home runs in those 27 games. Three of the five were opposite field and one was off Garrett Cole. His power is legit. This is a dude that can hit 30 home runs easy. Once he's adjusted to the big leagues, he can hit it to all fields and he has great plate discipline, 19 walks, 23 strikeouts in his rookie season. They just got rid of Eric Cosmer and Bobby Dahlbeck ain't keeping this kid off the field. They need offense in this lineup and uh, they're going to give him a chance to play. They, there's no, there's nobody blocking him. That's going to stop him from getting at bats. Someone that could have that much power, that much plate discipline play every day. And you're getting him at the 24th first baseman. Sign me up every time. I think he's a great pick as well as the one Gino brings up here who just signed Brandon Belt, especially if there's an injury in Toronto. He has a, I believe it was like a eight, something like an 840 OPS against righties in his career. I tweeted out the other day. Uh, he's someone that you could get as a, a bench bat. That could be great if there's some injuries in Toronto and, and uh, gets a lot of playing time there. So another great name there. Um, Heim Bloom, you could take whatever you want, whatever he says with a grain of salt at this point in the offseason. But earlier in the offseason, he was he went on record saying that they're going to want to give Cassis as much mm-hmm. runway as possible. Um, and this was before they let go of Hosmer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, I think that that was a clear sign that uh, they're not going to worry about the splits and they're just going to let him go out there and kind of prove it. He can hit both sides. And again, we talked about the the way he finished out his 27-game stint, and he's going to get playing time. He's got power, play discipline. Uh, These are the the shots you want to take at this point in the draft. Put him as a corner infielder, and and just at that point, you know, he's going after 200, so you don't have to pay up too much to get him here. Elsie, go to your next player here, your last one to take a shot at after the top 20 players. Yeah, Yeah, I uh, I said late first base is a wasteland. I was just in a draft with Adam, and I was like, I probably could should get a backup first baseman, and there was nobody. There was nobody I wanted because Spencer Torkelson was gone. He's like the end of my – he's like the last guy who I would draft. You just want to make Marty happy. I love it. I need the positivity, I, man. I, I, think, I think that the entire Detroit offense is due for positive aggression, and Torkelson is one of them. <clears throat> now – we have no idea what the difference in the fence is going to do. It made a significant difference in Baltimore to move the left field fence back. It seems like, if I my memory is correct, Detroit moved center field in. They didn't move left or right field in. Am I correct in that statement? They moved center field in ten feet, lowered the walls a little bit. I don't know yeah. how many. I don't know how many home runs that's going to add. It's definitely going to make it less less roomy out there. Um, Maybe it'll add one or two, but Torkelson 
Expected home runs were nearly 12. He only hit eight. Expected batting average, 226. He only hit 203. This was his first 400 plate appearances in the big leagues. The entire Detroit offense was cold last season. Uh, name You name it, they were cold. Javi Baez, um, uh, Austin Meadows, just none of them were hitting up to their talent level. They shipped out. Uh, they shipped out uh, Heimer Candelario because he couldn't hit, hit anymore. There's do some positive regression there, and with his experience, with his natural talent, I think that uh, that Torkelson, I think he's going to have a good season. His his uh, his projections are around 20 home runs and 63, 60 to 65 runs in RBIs each. That's pretty solid for where he's going in a draft pretty late. His zone contact rate above league average, all of his plate discipline metrics, none of them are scary at all. Um, So I think that with his good walk rate, with the fact that you can expect some positive regression where he's going, he's a very good dart throw late in a draft. I like it. I think that's a good call there. Doc, really quick, finishes out with your Seth Brown love here. Seth Brown! Seth Brown! 25th, first ranked, or 25th, First base and off the board, also outfield eligible, so we can talk about him in a future episode. He's going to be an accumulator. Played 150 games last year. Um, when you look at some of the metrics, 88th percentile in max EV, 90th percentile in the barrel. Uh, sprint speed, 63rd percentile, had 11 stolen bases, which is sneaky for somebody that's first baseman eligible. And mm-hmm. we're getting both in here. Mm-hmm. Um The metrics went up, too, uh, when you look at the walk percentage from 7.5 to 9.2. Cut the K percentage down. Babbitt went from 230 to 273. So hopefully goes up a little bit more, uh, closer to 300, which we see for league average. And he just finished the season out well. 249, 15 homers, 63 runs plus RBIs in 63 games. Oakland's not going to be good, so there's always the chance that they do ship him. Um, not saying I would go out of my way to draft him, but somebody that I think should definitely be rosterable. Agree with you there, Doc, uh, especially with, again, the, the multi-position eligibility. Uh, to close out, Toby asked about Aletmus Diaz. Any interest? What is he going in, like, he's, 600s he's gonna or get, something? He's going to get, yeah, he's pretty late. I think he was past 700. He's supposed to be the DH for Oakland, whatever that's worth to you. That's plate appearances in a D.C. He's worth drafting. But uh, I wouldn't put him on a 30 – 30-man roster. He wouldn't be on a 30-man roster for me. Fair enough. I think that that echoes how most of us feel. And Gino, thanks for checking out the show, man. Hope to check out some more as we uh, get through all the position previews here. On that note, I want to thank the golden man of the hour, Adam Howe, for joining the show tonight. Adam, thanks for joining us. And please plug your podcast, where people can find you on Twitter, and all the great work that you're doing. Hi, great. Yeah, check it out on pitcherlist.com. Um, on the wire pod at on the wire pod, uh, put out shows every Sunday. Sometimes we have some midweek shows during the off season as well. Uh, Kevin Hastings, myself, and um, yeah, check out. Make sure you're uh, you're tuning into PitchCon at the end of January. Um, I'm sure we'll see a lot of your guys' faces on there as well. But uh, it's going to be a great cause. All the proceeds there are going to a- ALS, um, and it's, it's new this year. Uh, Nick Pollock's putting a hundred percent of the proceeds going to getting donated rather than 50%. Uh, so that's really nice to, to be able to build to put that four day conference all toward the ALS charity. Um, so we'll be doing a live show there follow me uh, at 80 grade. It's all spelled out. Um, but 
you know, I'm more, more likely listen to the podcast rather than t- talk to me on Twitter. I'd, I'd much rather just listen to me rather than have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> the sayings of 2023. I love it. Uh, LC, Doc, Marty Party, you guys are always crushing it every single week. Anything you would like to add before we get ready to sign off for the episode here? We got to start the triple players ball. We're going to get nice. recruiting. We're going to fill that soon. Um, hope players draft. Yeah, triple players ball drafts are going to start as soon as we get the leagues filled. We're going to try and get three leagues again this year. Um, so maybe more. Hopefully we can get some more interest. We had uh, 45 last year, 60 this year. That'd be awesome. Get the golden cleats, the golden cleats trophy. All right, uh, Tambo has it right now, right? Yeah, yeah, he does. He does. Uh, he's he's taking good care of it, uh, but I want it back. He'll hold it for me till I get it this year. So. <laughs> That's all good. Uh, but yeah, make sure you guys check out On The Wire again. One of the best podcasts out there for fantasy baseball. And thank you guys every single week for tuning in to Triple Play. If you guys have not already on YouTube, please like the video, subscribe to the channel, and leave a comment below to help the algorithm. Helps us get seen by more people that are looking for fantasy baseball content. If you are listening to the podcast, thank you guys for checking us out there. Anytime you can leave a rating and review, that's always appreciated. But to close us out here, for Adam, for Elsie, for Doc, for Marty Party, I'm the Mendy. We're going to make like a bread truck, and we're going to haul these buns. Catch you guys in the next one.